The goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to part two of our conversation with Fiona Brown, head of artificial intelligence at Datactics. I've met your CEO of Datactics. It's Stuart Harvey. Yeah. We previously mentioned that um, you met before. So it's, you know, actually quite interesting that, um, you know, the, the people that you worked with in or interacted with in the past, you are <laughs> you're working with um, him today. Um, and I know, Fiona, what struck me is so interesting is your ability to weave not uh, weave back and forth, zigzag, as you said, not only between academia and industry, um, but also between different sectors as well. And now that you are working for a, a data quality so analytics software company, um, have you been able to leverage a lot your your past experience or um, project work into what you're doing day to day? Oh, um, completely, Peggy. Yes. Um, so I don't think I would be I would be able to do my 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 role um, today unless I I have been on that um, pathway uh, mm. in order to to get here. So having having uh, you know that key understanding of software engineering and and putting um, putting products into production and the the, the rigor around um, software engineering practices and so on has been has been paramount um, to 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 my career and it's it's really essential uh, within my role as um, as heading up the the machine learning um, team at at the tactics and then also having that. I suppose that scientific discipline and um, the, the rigor that was instilled from um, the PhD and and also within academia then as as well has been really important to 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 bring into to this role um, also and I suppose the 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 role that I have it's um, it's a really it's a really interesting role because. At, at one at one level, our our remit is to to build in machine learning capability to the, the tactics platform. Mm -hmm. So it's it's okay. You have to um, identify where 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 can I deploy this and where is it going to work um, best? And that's that's really a a, a business um, problem there that 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 you're trying to tease out and and address. And I suppose where, where we focus within um, the tactics and, and deploying machine learning is, okay, um, where are the pain points for our clients? Where are those really boring manual processes occurring? And um, can we automate these? So that's, I suppose, one, one side of, of the rule. And the, the second side of, of the rule as well is, uh, is building. 
um, a, a team. And having that experience in terms of um, academia and, and industry and, uh, and, and understanding what's involved in a machine learning project um, has sort of helped build our, our team. So our team's very diverse and multidisciplinary. So uh, in order to, to get a, a machine learning model into production, uh, we need a slew of different capabilities. So we need our data engineers to make sure that uh, the data that we have going into our models is accurate and it's right and can really shape and form our um, features that go into our models. Mm -hmm. We need software developers um, to actually take those models and, and put them into a production environment. So this involves um, infrastructure, it involves um, DevOps, it involves testing strategies, um, uh, basically uh, good practice around versioning uh, not only your code, but your data and, and your models. And then once you've got all that sorted, then how can you monitor your, your models once they're, they're in production? So you can see there's a real slew of, of skills required here in terms of um, like machine learning engineers, software developers, um, sort of the mathematical and statistical side in terms of uh, interpreting your, your models. Um, and then the bedrock of that is your 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 data um so again it's that <laughs> it's that rigor and the scientific discipline against the the backdrop of of your good practices from from software engineering that's great so uh, fiona I, I have to admit i read a lot of your blog articles so <laughs> I'm, my questions are going to be a little bit more into those areas one of the things that you talked about is AI for data quality, right? So, so far you talked about customers' pain points, how you're building models to solve their problems in automating some of the processes, right? So that is using the AI to solve the problems. But the other element of where AI is being used is also the data that is being fed into the models itself, improving mm -hmm. the data quality, right? Mm -hmm. So one of your articles you talked about using the AI to improve the data quality of the data that's being fed into the models. Mm -hmm. I think there are two very interesting areas where AI is being used. Can you elaborate a little bit more your work in that area? Yeah. Um, so I suppose I was I was very lucky whenever I, I entered the tactics uh, because their bread and butter is data and data quality. And we were we already have very powerful software that um that can that can help us in in monitoring the the quality of of data, and this has been really very useful for um, whenever you're building data sets to to feed into to your models. So we're able to do things like, um, for example, identifying are there any outliers in 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 your data through to um, actually uh, constructing the features. Um, that are fed in to your models through to the labeling of, of the data sets. 
and um, we've been doing work on um, the the matching and and deduplication of mm -hmm. um, data within within data sets. So at the tactics, um, they currently use a, a deterministic rules approach um, for their their matching and 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 deduplication. Um, so that's been really good. It's, it's very transparent and um, you know why something has been flagged up as a, a match or a non-match um, or, or a potential duplicate. And where we focus the machine learning then is for, for those cases, you know, those edge cases where it doesn't quite doesn't quite hit a, a match threshold, but it's not quite a non-match threshold. Um, and these are our cases which would usually go off for, for manual review where um, a, an expert reviewer or, or a data engineer has to manually eyeball <laughs> the data uh, and say, for example, is this a match or, or not? Mm -hmm. And um, from undertaking this process myself, I can um, state that it's a very boring <laughs> process to do and a very time consuming process to do. Um, and whenever, for example, if, if you're a financial institution and you have many thousands of these um, approach, these uh, records to, to manually verify, you can see how, how time consuming the, 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 this process becomes. So we've deployed a human in the loop machine learning approach here to, to address this particular issue in terms of um, learning from how uh, an expert resolves these low confidence um, match records. And then based on this, um, provide predictions as to um, how to resolve uh, a low confidence match. Um, so you're you're continually training and and, and updating your your model, mm -hmm. um, so that you get to a stage where you know whenever you're happy with um, or confident with the predictions coming from the model that you can um, automate and offset some of that. So that that's one area that we've looked into, and uh, another area has been in the um, error detection side itself and using machine learning to help detect errors within within a data set. Um, so similarly, we've we've looked at um, you know identifying outliers and um, identifying you know uh, data which doesn't adhere to. Um, to, to, to rules that it's set on it. But errors are very hard to detect in, in data um, because there's, there's so many different types of errors um, that can occur. And they're often quite rare and compared to um, the, the total volume of, of data that, that you have. So we've been looking at um, approaches which not only looks um, at columns singularly to see if there's errors, but also taking into consideration your data as, as a whole and, um, and encoding features that uh, can um, that, 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 that can model um, relationships between um, the data across a row and the data across a, a data set it, itself um, to help highlight where errors may occur. Um, and, and, and we make predictions at at a at a cell level. That's actually really interesting, and I know that a lot of people that do data quality, 
it's been a little bit more after the fact or reactive, right? It's something has to have triggered to have like blown up before data quality comes in. And it's very interesting. I think it's very innovative as well um, that using data quality to predict where an outlier or maybe even a potential error can occur. Is, is that something that's pretty new? Because I haven't really heard too many um, you know, people or vendors talking about this type of data quality as a predictor. Yeah, I, th I think it, it probably is quite, quite, quite new, and we, we haven't really seen the broad approach used by this um, in terms of, of, of other companies and that uh, doing this. But um, but it's pretty essential. We we think anyway uh, to, to to have this this capability. You know, as 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 we see data being ingested and and using more and more in, in, in um, downstream purposes in terms of analytics and as input into your machine learning algorithms, which will be, you know, automating things from whether or not you get uh, a loan as to and to, for example, um, what type of treatment that, that you're going to have for, for a health condition getting getting the data and ensuring the data that uh, that it's right at at the start um we think is is is, is fun, fundamental and it's it's a real challenge as as well so if you talk to any data scientist um or any machine learning engineer or any analyst they'll say that most of their time is spent uh, wrangling with the data sure. at the start and <laughs> trying to knock it into some sort of shape um, so it can be ingested by, by these models and, and tools further, further down, downstream. So we see this as, this as a fundamental part of the, of the process. So, you know, two other areas that I was fascinated in your work is one is explainability AI. That's one. The second one is ethical AI, right? So the explainability AI is something that is emerging much more recently. And I think your focus from what I read is a ground up explainability right from when you're building the models, right? Which is, yeah. uh, I got to tell a, a story here. I was part of a consulting engagement with another consulting company and we walked into the end user and the end user, the company said, can you explain how you came up with the predictions? And the consulting company said, no, that is our secret sauce. That is the black box. We cannot explain, you know, how we came up with it. I mean, from there now explainability AI is the new thing. Can you please talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what is explainable the AI and why is it important for you on data, um, data electric? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the whole explainability and in, in terms of transparency in, in machine learning, um, it's, it's gained uh, a lot of traction in, in the past uh, few, few years. And this is, this is really important as, as we see machine learning capability being being rolled out into our our everyday lives, and the reason why it's important, and um, the reason why you, you're the the client in this instance saying how how did you get that prediction? It's it's an incredibly valid and important point. Yeah. 
So we work uh, in in areas including um, like financial services, and uh, we're working against um, a, a regulatory backdrop. So if I was to go to clients saying, here's a model and um, don't ask me how the prediction came about because I used this brand new spangly deep learning neural network and it has 100 hidden layers and I've no clue how it came, it came yeah. up with it. Um, it that, that just wouldn't fly. It's just, it just wouldn't happen anymore. Um, and, and actually, you know, you're, you're right, we have taken a, a ground um, approach, ground up approach to this. And I think this has come about because deploying models into production is a relatively new area. Mm. And as such, there's no real clear, you know, standards or best practices in this area yet compared to example for um, software engineering which has been evolving in the past 30 40 years mm. we, don't, we don't really have that yet for, for 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 machine learning but it is it is changing and it and it is learning um from other areas such as engineering so for example if you if you went into a doctor's office and uh, he, he or she said, I'm going to give you this treatment um, for your particular illness, uh, but I don't really know <laughs> why this is, this is just being predicted to me. You're not going to say, yeah, okay, you know, I'll, I'll take that. You know, you want to know, well, well why was this suggested to me? And it, it all comes from understanding the data that the model was, was, built, with, was built with. So you need to take into consideration, you know, the data that this model was built with is this representative data. Mm -hmm. So um, if I'm trying to make a prediction, um, for example, on whether or not somebody is, is going to be uh, allocated uh, alone, do they have a representative sample of, of the population within that data? Or was it trained on um, a heavily skewed data set? You know, you need to know this type of, of, of information in order to, to make sure that um, at, at the end of the process that, uh, the, you know, the model was fair um, and, 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 and ethical, which are big, big questions and, and, and very hard to, I suppose, um, explain and, and, and verify. So it's important to know from a data level what's, what's happening through to okay this is the model that was that was built um and it was built using these features okay so say you've got for uh, for for the loan example again um your features could be you know uh, somebody defaulted on their loan um age postcode and so on you've got these different features well you should be able to to query and and see well what features drove this prediction mm -hmm. Um, because models aren't infallible. So you could have a, a random feature, for example, um, I don't know, maybe um, maybe maybe a postcode that was that was like a really important um, predictor <laughs> in your models. But you as an expert in in loans and allocating loans would know to say, actually, no, that's wrong. <laughs> that that shouldn't be such uh, an important um, feature within this model. Mm -hmm. 
um, right right through to uh, how the yeah so right right through to um, ensuring what version of model that that they've used and what version of data set that 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 you use as a representative right through to whenever you have your model in production and keeping an eye on the data that's being predicted, um, these new cases, how similar or how different is this to the data that the model was trained on then as, as well? And are you seeing maybe data drift or, or, or concept drift here? So, um, so there's been a lot of research in this area and um, there are, are different um, mathematical approaches to uh, address um, the, the explainability of, of models like um, line, which is like a, a local interpret interpretability of, of, of models mm -hmm. um, through to, to, to Shapley values and, and, and so on as well. And, and what these are, are showing, they're, they're giving an indication um, against these black box um, models as to as to what features at a, at a local level drove that um, prediction. And as, as we do see this sort of automated approach seep into our everyday lives, people are going to ask um, questions um, as to, okay, why, why didn't I get that loan? Or um, you know, how, how come my, uh, I, I'm only allocated uh, this amount of overdraft on, on my um, credit card um, through to why is that um, treatment being, you know, um, allocated to me? Mm. Uh, and there's, there's a lot that can go wrong uh, underneath the hood. And that's why you need that um, transparency and, and explainability. And hopefully what that will do is that it, it will improve the practice within the area and also um, hopefully improve then the, the trust in, in these algorithms as, as well at, um, to, 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 the, to the client or, or user at, at the end. Uh, that makes so much sense to me, Fiona. I think um, as consumers are you know, going to be impacted by a lot of these models and predictions, um, they should be educated on questioning and really pushing back on why they received a loan, yeah. why weren't they put into the medical study because of some uh, you know, black box model that was um, made these predictions. So um, thank you so much, Fiona, for your time today and for really sharing in depth with us um, your intricate, complex, very highly fascinating career and all the projects that you're working on today. Um, I know you're going to continue to make a big impact in, in this field. And I'm so happy to um, have had you on, on, on our podcast episode today. Yeah, I mean, I want to echo Peggy's comments as well. So I'm very fascinated by your uh, ability to go from, you know, academia to outside world and then back into that. And then um, so that, uh, that, that kind of uh, work and also diversity of bioinformatics to financial services. So it, it's the breadth is really stunning. Okay, thank, thank, thank you so much, Peggy and Ramesh for, for, for having me um, today. So it was um, it was a fun <laughs> experience and uh, and yeah thank thanks so much for for your time as as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. 
and please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.